You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Hey there, it's Chelsea from Crime and Crime Again. Katie and Nathan wanted me to let you know that this show contains a lot of colorful language, meaning curse words galore. So if that's not really your thing, that's okay. But if it is, you're going to have a lot of fun. I should also mention that if you listen to true crime, head on over to my show, Crime and Crime Again, where I tell you the lesser known stories that you may not have heard before. In the meantime, grab a drink and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Katie, 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 oh, can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. Oh, 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 hello. I, that, was, that was beautiful. Thank you for that. <laughs> I thought I thought that would be a nice, a nice way to say, hello, everybody. <laughs> Are you excited, Matilda, part three? Yes, I am, because this bitch has so much drama. So much drama. And this episode, we're going to pack in all the drama, and we're going to wrap things up. And whoo, this woman's legacy. This is the peak of the drama, this episode. There's just some crazy, weird stuff that goes on. (laughs) Yes. So, Nathan, tell us where we left off with Empress Matilda. So, she was just finding out that she was being passed over as Queen of England. And she's pissed off and pregnant. Mm. So (laughs) super pissed. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Swollen and everything. Um, Just chilling (laughs) in Normandy, you know, being left out, you know, being a woman in history. She can't go anywhere. Yeah. She's a woman in history. She's pregnant. She's stuck. She's like basically like ball and chain uterus to Normandy. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yes. Being a woman in history is just so fucking annoying. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but before we dive in, we've got a few Patreon shout-outs. Alright, so thank you so much to our Patreon supporters, Samantha, Lisa, and Allison. And also Elizabeth, Katie, Emily, and Emma. Yes! 
us. Thank you guys. And thank you to all of our Patreon supporters on every level and all of our listeners. We love y'all so much. All right. So let's get into it. Let's get in. Uh, Maddie, again, ball and chain, hanging out in Normandy with her husband and her kids. And Avi, she's fuming. Like, just, just shooting flames out of the side of her face. Flames from the side Um, of her face. She's pissed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so all these men who had sworn an oath to her, not once, but twice, have just been like, nope, who are you? Just ma- leaving ma- her own ma- red? Matilda ma- what? Yeah. Ma. Yeah. Ma. Like, I don't no, know. Nobody explaining to her what's going on. They're all just like, like I don't know her. They're all Mariah Carey, and she is J-Lo, and they don't know her. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> And they've never, no one has sent her any explanation or apology. They are just leaving her out altogether. And I just, I hate that for her, you know? The the one that I think hurt the most is, remember Matilda's half-brother, Robert of Gloucester? Oh, yeah. He was like her right-hand man, super supportive. Yeah, yeah her like, best friend BFF. at court when she didn't have anybody else. And now he's joined Stephen's side yeah. as well. I think that's the one that Matilda really felt the hardest. Like, when she found out her own brother was now supporting her enemy, she felt lonely, she felt deserted, and she might have also had some postpartum depression, you know? Oh, no, for sure. Like, that is probably one of the most undiagnosed In history. things that they had at that moment. Totally. Mm-mm. So... In July 1136, she gave birth one last time. Another boy, so yay. (laughs) Um, They named him William. (laughs) So that's three boys. Henry, Joffrey, William. Yes. So, And unlike her last pregnancy, it doesn't seem like this one was as complex. Like the last one nearly killed her. When she had Jeffrey, like it nearly Mm -hmm. killed her. It doesn't seem like this one was bad. So, yay, I guess. But we have no idea what her husband, what where where he was for the birth of this baby. Mm-hmm. Um because he was at war at the time or very soon after. Um actually everyone in this story is going to be at war for the next 18 yes. years. <laughs> but and it seems like Jeff was like Hey, I'm going to worry about getting us Normandy back. You can go focus on England. So Jeffy Pooh goes fighting in Normandy. Right, because they hadn't just... Whenever King Henry I died and Stephen took over, they didn't just lose their claim to England. They lost their claim to Normandy as well. Like you said, Jeff was just like, I'm going to go take this shit, BRB. And... Matilda didn't really, he was like, you focus on England, I'll get Normandy. But Matilda was bedridden after, like, you can't just get up and go to war after you've had a baby, you know? Yeah, that's that's not on the to-do list not, after giving birth. You might want to, like, um, recover first. But also, secondly, <laughs> it's like, where, where am I, how am I supposed to go get England? Because... Jeffrey was taking Normandy with his forces from Anjou, where he was, like, the leader of. And it's like, okay, all the Anjou army is in Normandy. She doesn't have an army to go take England with. So how was she even supposed... Even if she could get out of bed, what... How? How was she supposed to go take England? She doesn't have any resources, you know? Yeah, so literally for the next three years, Matilda just kind of (laughs) chills. 
um, just like to sit there, wait to see what's happening, which obviously infuriating. Can you imagine? Because I feel like everything we know about this woman's personality is um, she was a take action now type of person. Can you imagine just having to like sit there? Uh-uh. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> So let's shift gears just a little bit. Let's hop across the pond to England and see what's going on there. So her half-brother, Robert of Gloucester, that she's like, has left her and she's like devastated about. If you need a refresher, he's one of the most powerful guys in England. He's an quote-unquote illegitimate child of the old king. Um, He's been raised in this court. He is rich. He has lots of titles. But on top of everything, he's fucking smart. I think Robert Gloucester would have made a really good king. But again, his parents weren't married, so. Yeah. Because history is a bag of dicks. Yeah. <laughs> He's been working at this court for a really long time, so he knows how shit goes down. He knows what he's doing. And after two years, he comes to realize that he thinks Stephen is a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Now, look, from what we've read about Stephen, really don't think he's a bad person. I mean, besides the whole usurping his cousin's crown, which doesn't seem like a really chill thing to do. But uh, he's not a bad person guy yeah he's just not very good at being a king yeah (laughs) and he never took robert's advice and the records that survive say of robert that quote unquote this hostility to stephen was scarcely disguised oh so which i think is ye old that's a little dramatic yeah i think that's like ye old way of saying that robert talks shit on stephen all the fucking time If it made it all the way to 2022 from the year, like, 1125 or whenever, 35, whenever this was, I think he was talking shit pretty loud and pretty proud. Like, this king is a fucking dumbass. He doesn't know what he's fucking doing. Uh... One thing, yeah. One thing that's definitely for sure is Stephen was just hemorrhaging money. He was, he, he came, Henry had saved up so much money in the treasury, but for Stephen to not have any uprising internally in England, he had spent all that money, like paying bribes, paying, giving people land, giving people castles, and he had spent. Oh, he's just giving it away, like, yeah. ugh. which <laughs> is fine ugh. if you have the resources to do that and still run the country. But it doesn't seem like like he he yeah. spent the entire treasury making friends. Where's this civil war that's going to happen any moment? Spoiler alert: Who's going to pay for that? You know, like. <laughs> they're broke england is broke just like three yeah. years into Stephen being king in my opinion i don't know a whole lot about being king but i have to assume making sure your country isn't broke is it i mean you know how to be a queen i do know how right? to be yes <laughs> but please don't give me your treasury i have no experience in running that shit <laughs> <laughs> so in 1138 brother bobby of gloucester was like fuck this i can't support him anymore and then he starts campaigning for matilda and convinced some of his friends to be on his side so he started to gather up some forces there yes. so so much so that it seems like when he 
wrote to Matilda, like, hey, sister, super sorry. I was kind of a dick before. I know I made a mistake, but I think it's time for you to come to England. Let's kick Stevie off this fucking throne. I love (laughs) this character development for Robert of Gloucester. I love when somebody can be like, you know what? I made a mistake and like change their tune. So Uh I absolutely love that Robert of Gloucester, because we see a lot of people in history that are too fragile dicked energy to admit when they made a mistake and they just put their heels in. So I love that Bobby G could be like, you know what? That was my bad. So good for him. Right. Good for him for not having fragile dick energy. (laughs) Don't you? I I like Robert of Gloucester. He seems like a cool guy in history. I totally agree with this. Yes. Yes. So Matilda did not take a lot of convincing after Brother Bobby was like, hey, come to England. Let's get you queen. She was just like, yes, I'm on board, but Stephen's not going to let me enter the country. He's he's going to have his eyes mm. on every single port. He's going to have his spies in Normandy. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I would too. <laughs> he's going to have his spies in Normandy tell him what I'm doing. Now, how am I supposed to, like, sail into a port in England and not expect to immediately be put in jail and be captured? Like, what? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if you were just to show up to a port, usually a port's just out in the middle of, you know, somewhere, and you just show up to this port, people are eventually going to whisper, oh, my God, you know who's here? You know who's here? And eventually word's going to get out that, Empress Matilda's there, and then they're going to be like, "We got to arrest you. We got to throw her in jail. (laughs) She's a she's a threat." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, do you remember? Do you remember Henry the First's second wife, Adeliza of Louvain? Yes, yes, yes. So they were like, weren't they friends? Yes, they were like for a while. They were very good friends. Adeliza Louvain was married to Henry the first for 15 years. Do you remember in last episode when Matilda left her husband for about two years? Yes. She went and lived with Adeliza. They were the same age. They were friends. They both spoke German. It's probably, Adeliza is probably still Matilda's best female friend. And legally, the way that family dynamics worked back then legally, since she had been married to Matilda's dad, on paper, legally, Adeliza was her mother. They were the same age and everything, but it's like, legally, this is my mom. And what if I just want to go visit my mom? You know? That's a strategic, that's very smart. That's very smart. Right? Because, like, Adeliza had remarried and lived at Arundel Castle. And they had a port in south-central England. Just so happens yeah. you need a port. You need a port. I got <laughs> a port. Pull and your you're, ship right you're up my into my port. And the king. What did you say? I said, pull, pull your ship up into my port. Mm, that's what she said. <laughs> you like that? You like that? You that, like that? That is what she said. That's what, that's what, uh. That was your queen, Adeliza said. Pull your ship up into my port, baby girl. <laughs> Surely Stephen couldn't have anything to object to with a mother and a daughter visiting each other, right? Like, what kind of asshole? Oh, oh, yeah, that was, that's a bad PR move, right? Like, it feels like that would be a really bad PR move. To be move like, no, him. a mother and daughter can't visit each other. So Adeliza yeah. is like, 
Come on over, come on over, baby. Adelaide is played by Christina Aguilera in this miniseries that we're writing. So, but this one. And she's going to do the thing when she's famous. Sorry. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Adelaide is like, come on. Yeah, you can come pull your ship into my port. Like, let's do this. But that was a huge (laughs) risk for Adeliza. Her husband, her new husband, she's been remarried. He supports Stephen. And this is back, you know, like when if a wife went against her husband, she could be, she could like have some bad repercussions. So that took some balls on Adeliza's part. Adeliza's got some big clit energy too. And I love this. I love this for her too. So she did it anyway. And in September 30th, 1139, after many years of absence, Matilda is now back in England. Beer, 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 beer. We are in a musical mood tonight, when are we darling. Not? When are we ever not in a musical mood? <laughs> I know. We should just Queen's podcast the musical. Anybody want to write it for us? <laughs> oh God. You don't want me singing it though. Let's, I don't know if I can let's take get a, a let's musical. get a stand-in for Katie. Let's just get some other Blonde cutie who can actually sing. Or Katie could just be mute. Yes. <laughs> and in this production of Queen's podcast, the musical, Katie has lost her voice. This interpretive dancing. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, spoiler alert. Um, this little move that they did whenever they landed in England began a little tiny thing um in history known as the anarchy which not daunting at spoiler all spoiler alert as the, as the name may imply um bad time for all it was a whole thing it was it was yeah, this bad whole time for all. thing it was the definition of this whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you look up thing and it's like the anarchy yes um fun fact that i just didn't have anywhere else to put in this episode, but I thought people might find interesting. So do you remember how Adeliza was married to Henry the first for 15 years? And like the whole reason for them being married is so that he, she would have a, a baby so that he would have a new legitimate prince. Remember how that was like the whole thing? Yeah. Yeah. And then she never did. So everyone just assumed Adeliza was barren. She remarried a handful of years after Henry died. And they had seven kids in 10 years. What? So she was <laughs> not the baby problem baby. there. It's raining babies. Hallelujah. It's raining babies. babies. 100%. It was raining babies up in Arendelle (laughs) because she was having them in 10 years. She had seven kids. So it's just so interesting to look back and be like, okay, well, she clearly wasn't the problem there. But he, Henry had like 20 kids. So maybe, I don't know if maybe their parts just didn't fit together. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, People that know more if, about fertility than me, fit, let me know. If it know. doesn't fit, you must acquit. If it doesn't, okay. <laughs> if, uh, if the I, dick don't fit, you must acquit. Uh, there we go. New merch idea. What kind of merch can we put that on? <laughs> if the dick don't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> I can't imagine why anybody would ever give us poor ratings for uh, dumb jokes. Can't imagine. <laughs> Language. Mm, no idea why people do that. <laughs> anyway. 
<laughs> so Stephen finds out that Matilda is at England and staying with the former queen. And he's just like, what the fuck, y'all? Mm-hmm. Most other kings would have just like attacked Arundel Castle, right? Mm-hmm. And Stephen very much has this nice guy complex. Yeah. And he considered himself very chivalrous and kind of felt like it was beneath him to attack castles of a dowager queen and, you know, take a woman hostage. Again, that bad PR look. Yeah. He's like, you don't think I'm going to yeah. vibe with that. Steven was very much had a nice guy complex going on to his detriment, which again, like we were saying earlier, I don't think he was a bad guy, but I don't think he really had the, the, you, you kind of have, to have a little bit of ruthlessness to be a ruler in this time. So I feel like Stephen had. Yeah, you did. Stephen had the knowledge of the people and the knowledge of the culture that was needed. And then Matilda had the ruthlessness that was needed. So if only they could have like molded into one person. If only. Right. If only like, it was like they were Targaryens and first cousins got married back then. I guess they could have. I don't know. What? They would have been. So King Stevie. King Stevie did something that people are still confused about to this day. He was like, hey, Matilda, you can't stay here with the Dowager Queen. Like, you're putting her in danger by just being here. And I can't have that. So what I'm going to do is that I'm going to have some of my strongest, most powerful knights escort you to your brother Robert's house. And Matilda is just like, Oh, what? <laughs> what? Like, okay, let me get this straight. Yeah. She's like, wait, hold on a second. You're not going to attack this castle. You're not going to try to take me hostage. And you're going to basically give me a free Uber ride to my brother's place. Luxury edition. Luxu- like- okay. And it's going to come with champagne mm-hmm. and cheese and crackers. And no getting kidnapped, no getting assassinated. You were for free giving me a secret service. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to hit me in the back of the head with with a club. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) No assassinations. (laughs) I mean, like I said, to this day, historians are still like, what was he doing? I mean, I think it was just really, he was like, I think he didn't have the foresight to know what was going to happen. And he was like, you got to be nice to ladies. Yeah, I, I mean, that's... That's a lot better than we can say about some other men in yeah. history. So her brother, her brother, Robert, who King Stephen is giving her a private escort to go see, is raising an army. And everyone knew he was raising an army. And oh, God. Anyone else, in, anyone else, anyone else in history would have taken Matilda hostage. But instead... The following week, she said goodbye to Eliza and headed to her brother's place. And this would be the start of a, of a civil war, basically. Oh, God. Yeah. Not another. No, we don't go into battles that much because no. they're just bloody and sad and depressing and talk about how lots of people are killed. And you know what? There are so many podcasts out there that cover like every battle. And so if you do want to know about the strategic battle things that happened during the anarchy, 
I'm sure there are other podcasts that have deep dives into it. That's not why people come to the Queen's podcast, I don't think. No, yeah. no, no, not at all. But one thing that's different is that this is a civil war with, like, all these emotions going on. Like, these sides are both out for blood. Yes. There's no chivalry. There's no, like, we're talking about people are, like, killing commoners yeah. and normal people. This isn't what a, a normal like what we would call battles today where it's like these, Oh, let me set up a camp here and we'll go here and fight this army here. This is like, Hey, let's go burn down a town and kill everybody. (laughs) Yes. Like today we would call this war crimes. Like it was, it was like, there would be Lords switching sides all the time. So first thing you need to know about the anarchy is that there is hardly ever one, one house, one Duke, one, like Earl or whatever that stayed on one side throughout the entire thing. They were always switching sides. Yeah. Like you said, we say that it's like there was a bunch of quote unquote battles. But what we mean by that is that like one Duke would like wake up one morning and be like, that other Duke needs to pay. And instead of going and fighting him, he would go find some lands that that Duke owned that had farmers on it and burn the farmer's crops and then burn down the farmer's house and then slaughter all the farmer's animals as a way to pay back this duke. And it's like, but what you're actually doing is killing all these people and these people's livelihoods. And you know what? These farmers and these blacksmiths and these fishermen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a difference in their day to day life who's king, who's queen. So the people who were really paying are these really, are these everyday people. And to me, that is so, so, so sad. And shame on both sides for that shit, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, it is a horrible, like, we, it's just so ancient, too. It's like, they didn't have the the wherewithal to be like, no, let's plan out all these things. It's just like, hey, let's just kill them all. Yay. It was like such a guttural response to each other. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. I feel like it just has a little bit different than other civil wars we've talked about on this show. Mm. To put it in modern terms, there was no chill. Zero chill. (laughs) Yeah. Normal people would later look back on this and say that this was when Christ and the saints slept. uh, Because it's absolute anarchy. And it's so horrible. It's like literally all the wealthy people are killing all of the commoners and farmers and crops. Like it's... Oh, it's so terrible. Yeah, have you ever heard the phrase "eat the rich"? Like, because this kind of when I, <laughs> when I read shit like this and about how like almost none of our major players in this episode die in battle. Like, no, it's just the rich people killing poor people to spite other rich people. So, eat the rich. Bye. <laughs> oh. Okay, enough about battles. Yes. Enough about battles. Because <laughs> they're very depressing in this in this story. Uh, let's fast forward to 1141. Zoop. Uh, Tilda has been in England for three years, having ups and downs, like in all of these battles. She like hasn't seen her husband or her kids in like a really, really long time. And I mean, she she had to have written home a lot. But again not a lot of these letters can survive yeah. because they're 
almost a thousand years old. Well, some people's <laughs> like letters have survived. Something. I honestly think just because of how little we have surviving from Matilda's hand is that, um, you know, yeah. she just, I don't think correspondence was something that was super important to her. Like it, like we see with other historical figures. Do you know what I mean? She wasn't. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe writing wasn't her thing. Yeah, maybe writing wasn't her thing. But I also think, like, maybe she just wasn't a very sentimental person. And so she was like, why do I need to write long letters all the time? So Touche. Anyway, uh, February 2nd, 1141, there's a... Sorry. (laughs) Let me try that again. (laughs) Anyway, February 2nd, 1141, there's another battle. But this one is in Lincoln. So... Stephen views himself as this warrior king. So he doesn't think that he should be on the sidelines, like calling the shots, you know, hiding out in the safety of camp. He wants to be there with his yeah. troops. But, bitch, you a dumbass. Um, let's talk about this. <laughs> well, to be fair, he doesn't know what happens with Richard III yet and why you shouldn't fight <laughs> Be in the middle of fighting with your oh, troops. Touche. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a dumb idea because you can get caught and they got a replacement for you right there. And she doesn't go fight in the battles because she's a woman. So <laughs> that is probably probably a direct statement from Matilda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and bitch gets caught by Robert of Gloucester, which is. Yay! Our boy Robert. Robert. Yeah, Bobby. Take him up for the Bobby. Robert. Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all, somebody hopped on the phone with Empress Matilda so fast. He was like, "We got Stephen. We got Stephen. What do you want us to do with him?" And she's like, "Come on over. Come on over, baby." Which means like, bring him here. <laughs> But we can't find anything on how this meeting actually went, though. I I imagine Maddie is putting on her best dress, dripping in jewels of La Guanza. Oh, she had, you remember how when she came back from Germany, she brought two crowns with her? I bet she's got both of those crowns on somehow. She's got one yeah, here. Somehow they have fascinated those things on the fascinator. Both of them. Is that a word? Yes. Well, fascinator is fascinator. a thing that you wear on your head. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We don't have any, like, official record of how this meeting went, but I have to imagine she is just like, kiss my fucking feet, you fucking usurper, you know? Like, mm, who's the empress? In my head, she's, like, laying into him. Like, you took my crown... You took my crown, the lion, the witch, and the audacity, Stevie. <laughs> but yeah, like, unfortunately, we we just don't know anything about this meeting. But we know that immediately afterwards, Stephen is taken to prison, where he is kept in chains, Ooh. literally. Usually with royal prisoners that we've discussed before, they're treated, like, really well, but they're just under lock and key. So let me think of some examples. Like, um, Mary Queen of Scots. Okay. Or um, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Okay, got it. Or 
Joan of Navarre. Like, Do you remember when we talked that about that bougie little? It was prison, but they got food and water and a bed and. Vis- they could have visitors. They could yeah, go for walks. Yeah, it wasn't like you're in chains. <laughs> Stephen was literally, literally in chains. So this is kind of that's kind of cold blooded. Like she was. Matilda was showing, I'm not fucking around. I'm not going to be, like, weak-willed. You're in chains. Fuck you, buddy. buddy. So, (laughs) what does she do with her newfound power? Hmm. She starts thinking of making her way to London and prepping for her coronation. Yes, but before we get into that, before we see how that plays out, let's take a quick break. Top of our drinks, and we'll be right back. Hello, everyone. It's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, Box of Oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the Box of Oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. So, Nathan, what what were you saying that Matilda oh. does next? Oh, What's her she's next getting crowned, honey. And they are making it a fishy yes. all. Um, <laughs> like, we really didn't dive into it last episode. Um, but London did not like her and did not know her. I'm just going to say it up front. They just, who what, who's she? We don't know her. She can't sit with us. Again, London is Mariah Carey. (laughs) And she is Jennifer Lopez. And they're like, we don't know her. (laughs) Like, and they had heard rumors that, you know, okay, this woman that's coming to be queen. When we talked about in the last episode, how she was a bit Mm -hmm. hoity-toity. She was a little bit snobby. But that's how she was raised. She was raised to think that she was better than everybody. She hardly spoke English. 
And she, they're like, what, is she going to come up here and make us all speak German or French? Like, who even is this woman? (laughs) And dear listeners, we really do wish that we could tell you that she changed their minds with her charm. We wish we could tell you that she strolled into London with all these gifts and just went on this PR tour that made everyone just fall in love with her. But no. Oh, dear listeners, we're so sorry to tell you that that is the opposite (laughs) of what happened. She came into London with revenge on her mind. She she is is giving me, not as tough, but still she is giving me a bit of Daenerys, like third to last episode of Game of Thrones vibes. She she is just like revenge. Like y'all supported this usurper. You're going to regret oh, that shit. That's... Which really isn't the way to go. Because again, the, the commoners, like, their lives, they're just going with the flow. They're going whatever makes their life easier. Yeah, you know? she literally didn't take any meetings unless it was for someone to grovel at her, at her feet. So mm-hmm. she didn't go to meet with any of those commoners. Um, and on top of that, you know, she ended up raising taxes for her coronation, which does not do well with commoners. Yes! (laughs) I mean, the people were already, like, not super into her, and then she just rolls in and she was like, well, because you guys supported my my competition, I want to have a nice coronation, and you all have to pay for it. And doubled everyone's taxes! Like, what (laughs) the fuck? Of course these people are gonna hate you! (laughs) Yeah, they need, like, Kris Jenner as their... (laughs) <laughs> PR reps. <laughs> you know, I feel like Chris Jenner probably would have been a good, a better PR than a better PR rep than whoever the fuck was running this show here. Like, what the hell? We love mm-hmm. a hard-headed queen, mm-hmm. but this girl did not know what she was yeah, doing. Yeah, and I don't feel like she's really to blame here, though, because, like, right? She's not really prepped for this job. She's not really like been all these people already hate her so it's just not oh she's not trained for this and we talked about this in the last episode like when her dad named her heir he should have dropped her into queen of england training 101 but instead what he did was send her to anju you know like what the fuck is she gonna do there so these people don't know her she doesn't know them and it was just a recipe for disaster. And now Matilda of Boulogne has entered the chat. Uh oh. Oh gosh. Another Matilda. <laughs> yes. So we got another Matilda on our hands. But if you remember, she is Stephen's wife. Okay. She is also Empress Matilda's first cousin. Okay. So, okay. Yeah, I feel like we need to give her a nickname, though, because like you said, it's another Matilda. And so our girl, Empress Matilda, is Maddie. So what do you think about calling Queen Matilda Tilda? How do you feel about that? Okay, okay, we can do that. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, so Tilda (laughs) has raised an army, and the people of London are obsessed with her. Because Mm -hmm. unlike Maddie, Tilda has been a presence in their lives for, like, these last few years. And the people, like, really loved her. She's everything that Maddie wasn't. She's 
warm. She's affectionate. The people knew her. So that was another huge leg up that she had over our girl Maddie. Um, She's not sorry. Yeah, exactly. And she wasn't like trying to run the country and be all big and mighty. So it came across much more acceptable to like the population. Yeah, because like in the general population's mind, running the country was a man's job. Mm -hmm. So you might say, okay, but isn't raising an army? A man's job as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, but she was doing it in the name of her husband, not herself. Ugh. So people looked at it like she is such a dedicated wife. Ugh, misogyny. Ugh. Misogyny. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, but that was the medieval way of thinking. If, if you're raising an army for yourself, horrible woman, bad at being a woman. If you're doing it in the name of your husband... Yes, keep yeah. going. I mean, so. I, I think that kept on going until like the 1950s, until they started burning bras. <laughs> you know, yeah. but honestly, when you boil it down, I think it was just more that all in all, Tilda was more likable, mm. you know, and it just came down to that, which well, if a man was doing any of the things that Maddie was doing, everybody would have been like strong leader. Yeah, that's exactly what would have happened. Man of his convictions, yeah. but because she was a woman. Yeah. And yeah. we would love to cover Tilda someday because she's super duper fascinating. But just like we do with Henry VIII's wives, we really don't want to talk about that wife before or after kind of thing. The competition. Yeah, because we don't, we're afraid of their ghosts. Um, yes. We don't want to be haunted by any Mm-mm. of these spirits that may be still upset. <laughs> we'll give her her own episode either here or on Patreon someday. Yes. yes. But what you do need to know is that Tilda did hire Chris Jenner. So I did spoil it for yeah. you a little bit earlier. Chris Jenner is on the Tilda PR and game. And she's, you know, running this campaign laps around Maddie. So it's it's just terrible. And quietly, these dudes that are, you know, like been on Maddie's side the whole time are like Homer in the bushes that kind of like disappears. <laughs> Backing up into the bush, disappearing. <laughs> It didn't happen all at once, but eventually, yeah, her inner circle was, like, just eventually one day she looks around and she's like, shit, where'd everybody go? And then, wait, there's some more drama for you, Mama, because this is the shit that Hollywood should be knocking each other over to recreate. So, hold on to your butts. I cannot believe, just based on this next few minutes of content alone, that this woman doesn't have her own movie or her own miniseries. I know she's featured in some miniseries, but it's not like where she's the star, because this shit is dramatic. Mm. Like, the day before her coronation. The day before she is finally going to see, like, her entire dreams come true. Matilda and her inner circle, they're in London, and they're getting ready for dinner. And then the bells. The oh, bells in the town shit. start ringing. Oh, shit. This is Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones. It gives me such Game of Thrones vibes. Like, another time where Game of Thrones is inspired by real history, I think. Spoiler alert, if you haven't made it to season eight of Game of Thrones, uh, it's been out for two years. What are you doing? But remember that, like, 
that was the second to last episode, the third to last episode. The one that everybody hated? Titled, the one that everyone hated titled The Bells. Well, Maddie is like getting ready for dinner and she hears the bells in the town. And because, again, she hasn't grown up in England, she doesn't know what that means. And like one of her bishops is like, um, it means the Londoners are revolting. Ooh. They are about to storm the castle. They want to take you prisoner. You need to get the fuck out because it is quite serious. <laughs> oh my gosh. Could you imagine? You just hear bells and people are like, um, so you're going to die. Uh, people would very much like to kill you right now. So our advice, Chris Jenner is up there being like, we should really, you know, like take this party somewhere else. You know, like, let's, let's get out of here. And they did. <laughs> Needless to say, mm-hmm. uh, herder dudes left so fast. I can just imagine that little cloud of dust. <laughs> yeah. All the food is still like hot on the table and everything just kind of poof. And they just kind of run away. I think that is such an interesting detail that has survived through history. Because like, we don't have a whole lot of letters that survive from her or anything, but we have this one interesting detail that the food was still hot on the table untouched mm-hmm. when everyone got the fuck out so that's how quick it that's like how quick it was that like everything was fine and then it was not fine because uh, yeah. it, it, it even had to have been like right before dinner was served too like because you know halfway through dinner the yeah. dinner gets cold so it must have been like they were sitting down about to have dinner and they're like a bitch you gotta go <laughs> bitch you got to go and they wrote they got on their horses as fast as they could, nonstop from London to Oxford. So I put this into yield Google Maps. If you're driving from London to Oxford, that's about an hour and a half. Okay. If you're taking a bike, it's about it's about six hours. So I imagine riding horses is somewhere in the middle. So maybe like four yeah. and a half hours, something like that. But they're going as fast as they can, completely unprepared, on a horse, literally fleeing with just the clothes on their back and like whatever they could like grab and stick in the saddle of the horse or whatever like can you imagine that drama it's literally like your life is in danger you're thinking people are chasing you because they probably are um and, and you're going full speed ahead and you have to imagine so for matilda She's not trained to ride on horseback or anything like that. She's not trained for battle riding where you're going full force, full speed ahead. And that's a lot of work on your body because you're literally like having to use your whole entire muscles to keep going. So she literally passes out like during the ride and her dudes yeah. have to construct this whole trailer basically to put her on it and carry her behind. Oh my gosh. I just need that in life in general to have some guys pull me in a trailer with a mimosa <laughs> with a horse. But this was not like that. This was terrible. <laughs> no. And they're like having to still like keep up the pace. Cause it's literally people are chasing them to kill them or imprison them. She gets to Oxford and she is in bad shape physically, mentally, also TMI, but this is just something that I thought about. So women riding horses back then, women didn't wear pants like the men did. Okay. So she's riding this horse in this dress. So think about it. Five hours in a saddle and like a fancy dress. I bet like her inner thighs would have been bare on the saddle. 
Ow. I'm thinking she probably got like horrible blisters there. And maybe that's TMI. Maybe people don't want to think. That's just where my mind went. Just thinking about like, have you ever walked in a pair of shoes that you didn't have the right socks for in too long and you get blisters on your feet and how painful those are? I just have to imagine that like her legs in a dress that was not prepared for riding at breakneck speed for five hours her body was just fucking tore up because of um the clothes she was wearing yeah so i just have to imagine that she was she took some time to recover from that both mentally of like oh i guess i'm not gonna be crowned queen my entire life down the toilet and physically because back then people died of paper cuts like, it, yeah. she was probably fucked up from these uh, injuries that she got riding on the horse. Anyway. So she was yeah. probably really sick. And also probably mentally in a bad place as well. Oh, of course. <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> she just had to run for her life. Like, oh, gosh. But it gets worse, guys. There's lots of other things that are hurting at this point. Her best friend, her confidant, Hand of the Empress, her half-brother, Robert, they've been taken prisoner by Tilda. So she has no one. So her heart is hurting as well. Yes, yes, her brother. Can you imagine? Yeah. The enemy now has her brother. And she hasn't exactly been nice to Stephen. No. So she's probably like, what are they doing to him? Her imagination's running wild. Like, are they torturing him? Are they starving him? Is he dead already? You know? Yeah. So she sits down, weighs her options. She knows like, okay, the only way that Tilda is going to let Robert go is if she lets Stephen go. So prisoner swap, right? Like, this is a... Yeah. (laughs) classic prisoner swap so she also knows if she lets steven go it's pretty much over because she doesn't have anybody all she has is robert and steven is got all this it's gonna show a weakness it's gonna show a weakness also in her personality do i do i keep moving forward and let them maybe kill my brother or Mm -hmm. you know like what but she also knew that without robert She didn't have, you know, her husband, who had military experience, is over in Normandy, just taking care of that shit. She didn't have anybody else to really guide her. And also, I think she just, she loved her brother, which we can't, we can't be mad at. So she looked at it and she's like, her legacy, her sons. Okay, you know what? She sends, so she sends Tilda a text and she's like, okay, fine, fine. I'm going to let Stephen go. You let Robert go. And so each prisoner was released and they went each to be with their respective Matildas. Yeah. And you might think that that was the end of it, but uh, they all laid down their weapons and ended this war and everything was happy and butterflies and rainbows and unicorns were jumping in the sky. Nope. Uh, Stephen was pissed and he is over this idea that, okay, I don't have to fight women. Okay, whatever. Nope. His arm immediately lay siege on the town Matilda and her people were held up in. So she's in danger. And this is a round two of drama. Let's set the stage though. Back then, Oxford 
was a town had walls around it. You see a lot of medieval towns that have walls around them. Mm-hmm. And so Stephen's forces start attacking and they close the gates. You can't get into the town. We've got walls around it. And the army is like, we got time. Mm-hmm. We can wait. You're going to eventually run out of food. And guess what? Winter is coming. Ooh, ooh, Game so of Matilda and her Game of Thrones again. <laughs> and Matilda and her crew were held up for like two or three months oh. in Oxford just being like, it's fine. It's fine. Oh my gosh. I would be terrified. But by January 1142, just a month before Matilda's 40th birthday, things got even bleaker. It was apparently... Because winter did come. Winter, winter did Winter was come. coming. <laughs> and there was a blizzard. It was cold. And it was fire. <laughs> it was fire. <laughs> So supposedly, <laughs> you literally could not see anything through the sleet and snow. Like she, it was just white. It was like a record setting. Yeah, blizzard. white out. Yes, yes. <laughs> so she was like, "These people are starving. Everything's going wrong. Maybe this is like a bad omen too." In her head, she's like, "I gotta get out of this place. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta get out." I of mean, here. can you imagine that guilt though? Like the entire town of Oxford is starving because they're defending you because you're this Ooh. one person. Where there's these hundreds of people that live in this town and they're they're suffering. Just because of you, isn't that isn't that horrible? Uh, that's so sad. Yeah, I think it wait. I think it weighed on her conscience a little bit. Once again, they did a Hollywood wet dream scene. Okay, let me set the stage. Story goes that Matilda and three of her strongest dudes in her army they put on their heaviest coats. They put on like everything that's going to keep them warm, and then they went around the entire town and they collected anything white that they could put on. So bed sheets that were mm. white. Let me have them. Uh it, that that looks like a white sheep. Shear it. Give me its uh what's it called? Fur? A uh, coat? Whatever. Like head to toe, they just want to be covered in white. So they are completely wrap themselves head to toe in white and they start scaling the side of the walls of the town. Wait, white? Okay, let me unpack this for a second. Why okay. why would you Climb in white. That seems like you would stand out. It's a blizzard. Uh... It's a blizzard. <laughs> and it's like, it's such a bad blizzard that people can't even see like two feet in front of their faces. Uh, so they're like, okay, if we scale correct. the walls of this city, the walls were like a hundred feet oh, tall. Oh gosh, they're desperate. <laughs> they are desperate. They are very desperate. But so the white cloak is acting like a camouflage. And they scale this wall and then they crept by enemy forces and walked across the River Thames. Wait. Okay. Okay. So across. It's frozen, but is it frozen enough? (laughs) Like, (laughs) frozen enough for them to take that chance. Oh, that's so scary to me. Like, they just had to gamble. I know. You know what? If it was me. If it was me, there would have been a trail of shit across the river, river Thames because I would have been shitting myself the entire time. Because if it broke, sudden death. Oh, yeah. But, like, what other options? What other options did they have? I'd know? be right there next to you just s- peeing. <laughs> just just yes. piss myself. So, yeah, it would be terrible. Trail. So, first they scale the walls and then they just sneak past the enemy And then they cross a river on foot. That is such big clit energy. Also, 
that it would make such a good movie. How is this not a movie? Do you know I what know. I mean? Well, I think I think Game of Thrones is trying to make it into to an entire series. Let's see. <laughs> let's see if they put this part in it though. Like, yeah. Two days after that, like they are traveling. Two days. Let's get this. It's a little more friendly after that. They get on more friendly grounds. It's this place yeah. called De Vizes. Nailed it. Castle. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and that's where she would just like chill for like the next six years. I also, I feel like, so the war went on a little bit, but I feel like after Matilda's barely escape from death, she had lost the fight a little bit. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, for sure. It was sort of like, I think she was realizing, you know what? I may never be queen. Stephen won. What's the point? She's just sort of like the she's wind dead. is out of her she's sails. She's dead inside. She's dead inside at this point. She's tired. Yeah, she's just like, I'm over it. She's fucking <laughs> tired. But then, so her brother Robert went to visit Normandy and came back with a surprise. Drum roll, please, Nathan. <laughs> It was her oldest son, Henry. She oh, hadn't seen him oh, in like 10 years. Oh my gosh. He was little and now he's like a teenager. I bet that was like, she got a renewed sense of purpose, right? She was like, yes. my son's here and her heart just lightened up and was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in so long. And now I have the will to live again, basically, because I felt now I so terrible what I, Or I remember what I was fighting for. Ah, yep. That's the truth. It's the truth. She realized, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm never going to be queen, but my son could still be king. And so I'm going to take note of everything I did wrong, and I'm going to try to make that right and make my son a good king for England. She's got a, again a renewed sense of purpose like okay, I have my I have my heir. <laughs> so Henry is doing the exact opposite and going out and making sure to learn the local customs and speak to the commoners and you know, making sure that again, Chris Jenner is on his PR team. Um, and everybody knows yes. who he is and he's so popular. He's introduced to like all the famous lords that he could meet up with. He he learned what the normal people were like. Like what would they respond to? What what would they want in a king and what would they hate in a king? So friendly, personable, imagine that. That kind of helps. I think that I think that's one thing. There's like a nurture versus nature thing that some people just have that friendly gene in mm -hmm. them that I just don't think Matilda had that je ne sais quoi, yeah. you know? And I, But I think Henry did. And I think she recognized that Henry did. And that's when she became Henry's Kris Jenner. Uh, <laughs> she learned yes. the ways. She was like, oh, okay, y'all didn't like me, but y'all like him, so let me put him on a publicity tour. You're fired, Chris Jenner. You're fired. I don't need you anymore. It sounds like she's hired. It sounds like she's hired. Oh, uh, well, true, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. In a new form. Chris Jenner has been reborn. <laughs> Into Empress Matilda. Uh, <laughs> and so people at this point are starting to whisper maybe you should be the next king after Stephen. Like, well, yeah. Well, people were pointing out... People were pointing out Henry 
little baby Henry reminded everybody so much of his grandfather, Henry the First. Like, he walked like him, he talked like him, he looked like him, and so everyone was like, he was a good king. There wasn't 18 years of war when he was king. Uh, Maybe his grandson is where it's at, you know? And so the people start to whisper, like, maybe he should be the next king after Stephen. Mm. Like, Stephen had two sons, so Tilda was like, yeah, no. <laughs> this is not happening, bro. Um, cool story, bro. But that seed that was planted in Stephen's head had already started to grow. And along point. with the people of England as well. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then, dun, 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 tragedy stroke. Struck? Stroke? Uh, Struck. Tragedy happened. Struck. Uh, <laughs> Robert. Hand of the Empress, brother of the Empress, died in 1147. He would have been about Uh. 57, which back then, like now, is super young to like just die of old age. But back then, like when people didn't have antibiotics or understand basic germ theory, was an old man. Yeah, he died. And I have to imagine, like, after this, she's just tired because... He honestly was the one that supported her for all of these years. You know, this war had been going on forever and ever, 12 years. And he was the one that was always behind her. I think at this point, everyone was over it as well. (laughs) Because they're just like, we've all lost people. It has been a bloody massacre. This is terrible. I'm tired of it. We've got to go and do some crusade Yes, because the crusades um, were happening at the same time. But if you remember from our Eleanor of Aquitaine series, like, there was a big crusades at the time. And there was, like, all these people that were like, I don't want to fight in this civil war anymore. I'm going to go be French now and go do a crusade. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go eat cheese and... Eat cheese and look for the Holy Grail. It'll be fine. It's good. Wee wee. (laughs) And Matilda ends up appointing some guy to carry on in her name, but this girl's ready to retire. She's she's not a girl. She's a woman. She's 50. Um, Half a century, soldiers. Which back then... Yeah, back then, that's, you know, senior, more, you know, older. So she goes back to Normandy then, um, where now, thanks to her husband, Jeff, is all their lands. So she doesn't have to worry about anybody coming after her exactly. to attack her or anything and So like she that. can just go be the Duchess of Normandy and run shit there and just not have to worry about being taken hostage and killed, you know? <laughs> what that would must be. Yes, nice yes. <laughs> Then Tilda died very suddenly. And this is a really interesting parallel because, because just like how after Robert of Gloucester died, you know, Matilda lost her mojo. After Tilda died, Stephen completely lost his mojo. So the, it was just like this weird parallel that they had. And, you know, though he still had one living son, this is what's really weird to me too. He ended up declaring Maddie's son Henry as his Henry heir did become king, and you know, like we said, we're skimming over a lot of the battle stuff because it's just not particularly interesting to us. But can you imagine if Tilda had been alive, 
Stephen would have never passed over his own sons and put Matilda's kid as heir. Do you think so, Nathan? Oh, no, because Tilda, Tilda was very much like, um, excuse me, what? And she was definitely that wife. Hard that was not going to let her man. Like, uh-uh. Uh-huh. Hard mm-hmm. brass over. You are not, like, I don't think she ever would have let that happen. But now she's gone. <laughs> I do think that Steven was a little bit like, I, we're just all tired. We just want this to be over, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Matilda had returned to Normandy in 1148, which means she hadn't seen her son, like her younger sons, mm-hmm. um, and her husband in like 13, 13 years. years. And, I know. I know. And there's... Again, no recording of how, you know, the meeting and the reunion happened. I just don't think people were... Matilda didn't like to write. Yeah, I don't think... I think I just, <laughs> Matilda wasn't a big letter writer, I don't think. But um, yeah. I doubt the husband and wife had any kind of, like, romantic reunion. I think they had both... No. I don't think no. they ever had a romantic relationship anyway, so... No, they never had a romantic relationship. And at this point, they're both older and they're just like, hey, Yeah, I think up? it was just sort of like they <laughs> reunited for the first time in 13 years and they just like shake hands and it was like, good to see you, buddy. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to wonder, her youngest son was only two when she left. Did he even know who she was? Yeah, at this point, uh Really don't know. Probably not. <laughs> it must have been bittersweet to go back to Normandy, I think. Yeah, I agree. And then, unfortunately, Jeff died a couple of years after she got home. And I'm sure she was sad to lose an ally. But I don't... Like we said just a couple seconds ago, we don't really think that they had that relationship anymore. Yeah, ever. So really. she's not really more. Yeah, she's not mourning him like a wife that was, you know, attached at the hip and they were, you know, camaraderie. If my husband died tomorrow, I would be absolutely floored. It would, mm-hmm. I would be grief stricken. But that just wasn't at all <laughs> the kind of like it was just sort of like, oh, he died. So I don't know. Yeah. Yay. No, I don't think she would have been happy, but it just wasn't it just wasn't the same as when we think about like with modern day marriages. Yeah, so let's fast forward a bit. And Stephen and Henry officially sign a truce in eleven fifty-three. So this anarchy is finally over. It's been eighteen years, guys. Can you imagine? Right after they've signed the truce and everything's over, next year, Stephen dies. So, (laughs) I'm sure everybody in the country, even though, like, Stephen in his lifetime wasn't an unpopular king. He's an unpopular king historically, but in his lifetime, people kind of liked him. But I think even everybody in the country, when he died, it was like a sigh of relief. Like, (laughs) it's over. This guy, okay. (laughs) Yeah. I think... I personally think that Matilda was just relieved that the whole thing was fucking over. Like, I'm sure she was happy that her son was now king. But more than anything, I think it was just relieved that I don't have to fight anymore. I don't have to. I don't have to do. I can just chill and drink wine and yell at people. Because I do think she was a Karen a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I mean, that's kind of what she did. Yeah. Uh, she, she ended up staying in Normandy, running shit there for the rest of her life. Um, her youngest son, William, and her formed a really tight bond, which is nice because, you know, she did kind of miss out on those first 13 years yeah. of his life. So nice to see that they got that bond in there. And then she really got into like church and charity. Yeah. So really cool for her. Uh, she also gave Henry political advice. For instance, which, you know, from her track record so far, she it's not something that I'd be like, I definitely want to hear about. But one thing that I read, um, and if you don't know anything about this time in history, this might not make any sense to you. But Nathan, do you remember when we talked about Henry II and Thomas Beckett? She actually yes. told her son, Henry II, do not appoint Thomas Beckett as a bishop. Pointing your friends to these kind of uh, titles is a bad idea. And also, I think he's too hard-headed. If only Henry would have taken her advice. (laughs) Right? Like, oh my gosh. She was literally like, don't Don't do do it. it. Don't do it. He's like, I'm going to do it anyway. And then, like, I'm sure she was already dead by the time that um, everything came to pass. But I'm sure she's looking up from wherever and being like, I told you. I told you. (laughs) (laughs) And though she did relax a lot in her late years, people wrote of her as an old lady, as thinking very highly of herself. So even to her last day, she was like, I'm a fucking empress. Y'all are going to treat me like one. I love that. (laughs) Matilda died in 1167 at the age of 65, and she was buried in Normandy. Her tombstone read, great by birth, greater by marriage, greatest in her offspring. Here lies Matilda, the daughter, wife, and mother of Henry. Um, which I had, I take issue with because it is just completely being like, all, all this woman comes down to is the men in her life. But. Super annoying. Super annoying. But I think she would have loved that Jeffrey was left out because when they say the wife Made greater by marriage and the wife of Henry, they mean her first husband, Heinrich. Uh, <laughs> Which is, she styled herself Empress Matilda after being his wife the, her whole life. So uh, even though I hate the misogyny of that, I kind of love, I think she would love that they left out Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, so let's raise a glass to our badass empress. What a what life. What a life. Clink. Cheers, bitches. I love how we still clink it. <laughs> through the zoom. Even over Zoom, let's clink it. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, if you want to hear something, just email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. And follow us on social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a really great Facebook discussion group. We'd love to see you over there, too. And if you're so inclined, we do have a Patreon account if you need more Queen's content in your life. Yes, yes. (laughs) Thanks Thanks. for listening. Cheers, bitches.